Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Luke 19, 1 through 10, says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I also want to read John 17 real quick before I unfold this. John 17, 1 through 5 says this. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The title of my message today is The Want To. The Want To. Turn to the person next to you say, The Want To. Say, I want the want to they want to. Let's pray over the preaching of God's word. Lord, we're just thankful today. We're so grateful for what you've even done already in this service. The moments of worship, the, the sincere moments where we've lifted your name. I pray our praise is pleasing unto you. Lord, right now I pray you'd anoint my voice to speak your word. I pray you'd soften hearts, break down mindsets, open doors, for us to be forever changed. We thank you that your word is alive and active. And Lord, I pray it would pierce every single heart today. Whether we've heard this story a million times or for or if it's the first time, I pray today, Lord, that it would fall on good soil and it would forever change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We all live in a massive tension between two things in our lives. Every single day, we have to steward ourselves towards this thing called desire. And the two things that we live between is the want to and the have to. We live in this constant tension. Maybe a better way to put it is we live in between the desire and the obligation. Desire versus obligation. We either desire to do things or we're obligated to do things. Can we fit in some of those categories today? A couple of you said so. There's a huge difference between having a want-to attitude 
and having a have-to attitude. And I'd say it affects everything we do from the simple things to the big things in life. We honestly live in this constant tension of how we're going to steward our attitudes towards our desires and our obligations. You know, some of the things I could list off of the big things would be your career or where you work. So often, we're in this massive tension in the verses of going, it's an obligation, I have to do this. But if you come every day like it's an obligation, you begin to hate your job and ultimately begin to not like your life because you're living in the obligation world. Rather, if we chose every day, I'm going to choose to desire to work well and to have a good attitude about this we have good desire then i tell you what we would enjoy our job more and we'd enjoy what we've chosen to do with our lives would you agree with me even when it comes to relationships with your family with your friends whatever it looks like so often we can live in this obligation world and it never brings any fruit it's like you're just surviving you're trying just to hold on for dear life to keep these things there rather than making a choice to say i desire i'm going to have an attitude of desire to have a healthy relationship with this person you want to fix a marriage that's falling apart choose to desire that person and put them above yourself even when it comes to the simple things of our life i tell you what when it comes to uh, to chores in our life. So often we have these little tiny things that we're like, man, that's so annoying. I have to do that. Like one of the things that I hate doing is the dishes. Anybody else? I hate this because every time I come into the kitchen, we have, we have six mouths to feed in our house. We have four kids. So every time after a meal, I look at the sink and it's just a mound of obligation. You know what I'm saying? I look at this thing. I know I got to do all these dishes. And if I approach the dishes with this obligation attitude, it drags on forever and I despise dishes. But when I turn on a good song, you know what I'm saying? When I get a podcast going, I turn it into a party, I go, here we go, we're gonna knock out these dishes. It goes a whole lot faster and I enjoy it. What's the attitude you're gonna choose towards the simple things in life? Brianna and I have been married now for over nine years, almost 10 years, a decade coming up. And let me tell you, Every single step of the way, everything she's asked me to do, I've wanted to do it. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. Might be the opposite. But you know what's funny with, with our relationship is you're, it's, you're in this constant tension. Like you have to choose to desire the things that you're asked to do. And one of the things Brianna loves is when I give her a back rub, right? And I don't always feel like giving her a back rub, right? But I tell you what, if I give off the attitude like it's an obligation, I got to give her a back rub, she doesn't want it and I'm not able to show her affection. You know what I'm saying? Like my favorite thing to do it, never mind, we're not going to go there. But it's funny, we live in this constant tension in our marriage in the sense of having to choose to have a good attitude towards the thing. But you get the idea. Brianna and I didn't get married out of infatuation. We got married because of commitment. So when the rubber meets the road and things get hard, it's a choice to want to work on it. It's a choice to want to invest in our relationship, not a have to. It's not based on our feelings. It's based on a choice. Are you with me, church? So desire versus obligation. Even in following God and coming to church, there's a tendency if you grew up in church where it was a have to rather than a want to. You were obligated to participate rather than you desired to be a part of it. And you might say, Alex, why are you taking so long to explain desire versus obligation? Because I saw something significant in the story of Zacchaeus that I've never seen before. And I believe it could change the way we operate with God.
It can change the way that we see God and the understanding of what Jesus came to do through the death, burial, and resurrection. So let's unfold this a little bit more. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. So first of all, we have to understand his goal was to pass through the town. His goal was to just go on his way. He was using it as a pit stop going through. It says he's passing through. So he had no agenda to even be in the town other than to go right on through. Verse 2, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So what we see from here is this man, Zacchaeus, was a tax collector. And at the time, the Roman government was ruling and reigning. And they charged different people to be tax collectors to collect the tax from all the people. And what these people would do, the tax collectors of the time, is they would line their pockets with excess money that would come in. They would charge people more than the tax and fill up their pockets with the abundance of money coming in. And they were robbing and stealing. And that's why people call them the sinners. And not only that. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was leading the pack. You can imagine this. He would have been the guy going, hey, guys, just so you know, charge them 10 extra percent so you can line your pockets and, and do well for yourself. He would have been the one leading the other tax collectors. He was the ultimate scumbag of the time. And people saw him as a sinner, as we already read. Zacchaeus, it says that he was a sinner. Like, people go, why would Jesus go with him? So we see this, that he was a publicly known, well-known man in the area. Verse 3. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. This scripture right here is actually so significant in this story. Oftentimes we can think in the logical sense like, Zacchaeus had to do whatever he had to do just to be able to see Jesus. Yes, it's awesome. He did the logical thing. He couldn't see, so he runs ahead, climbs up a tree so he can see over the crowds. It makes sense. We understand that, but that's not what happened. I believe what happens in verse 3 could change everything about our existence on earth and how we spend our eternity. Are you ready with me? Yeah. Can you put it up on the screen, verse 3? It says, he, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted. He wanted to see. Zacchaeus desired to see Jesus. He was seeking to see Jesus. The one who had all this impact and his name was being spread around the region... Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Do you see this with me? That word wanted in the original Greek language is zetio, which means to seek something that has been lost. Do you see that with me today? Zacchaeus was seeking something that was lost. The guy who had everything. More money than he knew what to do with. Power, fame, a title, everything that the world would say gets you where you need to be was left empty. And when he heard that Jesus was walking through the town, he sought after him with a desire and wanted Jesus. I pray you see this with me today. I pray you understand 
See, it says he was short and he couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a tree to see Jesus. And men of power of this time, even men of this age, it would have been an embarrassment. It would have been beneath them for them to run, let alone climb a tree. Yet he was willing to lay it all down, to be unashamed, to put himself out there. He didn't care what anybody thought about him. Why? Because he was seeking something that was lost in his life. He desired. He had a want for Jesus. He knew Jesus had something that he needed in his life. Even the physical limitations on Zacchaeus. First of all, being short. Secondly, a crowd of people got between him. And he got innovative and he did whatever it took. He runs and climbs and there was desperation on him. I had this feeling of desperation a couple months ago. We went to a water park in Florida for the first time. And we spent the day walking around, going to different rides. And we would always come back to where we were sitting, where our stuff was. And our kids were very familiar with the area. So I took the boys on a quick little ride and we started walking back. We were about 200 feet away from where Brianna and the girls were sitting. And Cove said, Dad, can I run ahead to go see Mom? I said, yeah, I got I to gotta go, uh, you know, fill up a water bottle. So absolutely, you run ahead. She's right around that corner. You good? He goes, yes. So I watch him run off, and I go fill up my water bottle. Well, I come around the corner a couple seconds later, and I'm looking, and I go, where's Cove? And Brianna goes, you had him. That's the worst thing to hear as a parent. <laughs> like, you don't want that reaction. You, you want something else, but you had him. And I go, oh, my goodness. I don't have a shirt on. I don't have shoes on, and I just start sprinting through this park. I'm running everywhere. I'm shouting Cove's name. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care what I sounded like. I was desperate to find my son. I started asking strangers, hey, have you seen a little blonde kid with some shark shorts on? Hey, have you seen a little blonde? No, sorry, no, sorry. I did whatever it took to find my son. 15 minutes, one of the worst 15 minutes of my life, desperately seeking to find my son. And I go over near this food area, and I look, and there's a lady who works there. And I go up to her, and I didn't even care. I go, ma'am, I am desperately looking for my son. He's a little blonde kid with shark shorts. And she goes, oh, Cove. Oh. (laughs) And we walk around the corner just a couple feet away. And there he was sitting at a table with some of the employees of the park playing games. And he comes and embraces me. And I cannot tell you the feeling in that moment of finding what was lost. I would have done whatever it took because I wanted to find what was missing. Can I tell you that the exact same intensity is what Zacchaeus was doing when he sprinted towards that tree and stood up in that sycamore tree and said, I'm missing something that's lost inside of me, and I want what's lost, and I want that man. I don't care if I look stupid. I don't care what I sound like. I don't care what I look like. I am desperate for what's missing in my life, and I tell you today, we need to get a little bit desperate like Zacchaeus is. We need to have a desire. We need to have a want to. We need to make the choice to say, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what I sound like. I'm going to pursue Jesus. All I want is a glimpse of him and my life will be forever changed. Are you with me, church? Let's say amen together. Amen. So then in verse 5, when Jesus reaches the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately and I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Oh, man, I pray we see this. Jesus didn't take the first step in this, in this story. 
Zacchaeus did. See, what we have to understand, Jesus already went, already made a way for us today. He already went to the cross for us. And so often, we're, we're waiting for God to call us, yet he's already done everything that it takes. And he's waiting for us to take the first step. James 8 in the NLT, he says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's opened the door to availability and he said, come. Whenever you're ready, whenever you desire it, it's not an obligation. He's not forcing you to come, saying, when you're ready, you come, and when you take that first step of faith, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. He's desperate for relationship, and we see this. I truly believe that Jesus would have just kept walking through that town. He was passing through. He might have even found a different tax collector that got in his way or a different person, and Zacchaeus wouldn't even be mentioned right here in Luke 19, but I tell you what, Zacchaeus had the faith enough to take a step and say, I want what Jesus is and who he is. And he made that first step towards relationship. He had that attitude, the want-to attitude for Jesus. And he stepped out in faith, which led him to relationship. That's the goal, isn't it? Relationship with God. I think we can so convolute the idea because of maybe past church experiences and the history of our life, whatever we've gone through, we can convolute the idea that, that Christianity, believing in God, when we say yes to Jesus, we now get a golden ticket to heaven and we go, cool, yep, I'm good. Life's good. My eternity's set. I know where I'm going after I die. But the goal isn't eternity. The goal is relationship with God. The goal is relationship with God. See, we've convoluted our ideals of what we have to do, what the expectation is of the tasks in the midst of our faith journey. We've convoluted it, and we've said, yeah, I have to do, do, do all these things to get my salvation. Rather, the reality is I have to be, be, be in relationship with Jesus. Jesus clarifies what eternity really is and what we read earlier in John 17, 1 through 5. This is in the garden before he's taken to trial and ultimately crucified. And Jesus is praying to God. And he says this in John 17, as we read earlier together. He says, Father, the hour has come to glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you've granted him authority over all the people that he might give eternal life to all you have given him. So he's made it available to everybody. Salvation is available to every single person as a free gift. Amen? Yes. He says this in verse 3. Now this is eternal life. To know that they know God and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I love this. I think this is so significant. Because eternity is not our ticket to heaven. Eternity starts when you enter into a relationship with God. Eternity, what Jesus says in this prayer, it's about knowing God. It's about having a relationship with God. Let me tell you this. God just wants your heart. His desire is to know you and for you to know him. He simply just wants a relationship with you. The moment you make a decision to give your life to Jesus, or as we call it, salvation, you enter into eternity. You enter into the life that's truly life, and that is to know God and to know Jesus. He just wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. 
That's why we have this love letter of a book telling the stories, showing the love of how he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The moment you believe in him, you enter into an eternal relationship with God. He sent this to simply remind us even 2,000 years later that he loves us and he wants a relationship with us. My main point today is this. True relationship with God comes from a decision to have a want-to attitude. True relationship with God comes from a decision to have a want-to attitude. Us desiring to have a relationship with him. It's about your relationship with God. That's why he sent his one and only son. So I simply have three questions, and then I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. And we got some popsicles outside and all the things in bounce houses. Hopefully it's not raining, but three questions I just want to put in front of you. Really, in the idea of self-diagnosing, if we're living in desire with God or we're living in obligation. I believe that it's so important that you constantly look into your own heart and say, where am I at with God? What is my lifestyle like? Am I just doing this out of obligation or am I doing it out of desire for God? Is it a want-to attitude for God? And these three questions to ask when stewarding the want-to. First of all, am I urgently seeking a relationship with God? Am I urgently seeking a relationship with God? So basic, but we have to understand tomorrow isn't promised. Our life is a vapor. We, we don't need to wait. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. We don't need to wait any longer until we understand things. We should urgently be seeking relationship with God. Even if you've been a believer your entire life, we should urgently be seeking after a relationship with him. I couldn't imagine what it would be like if I didn't pursue Brianna and my kids. They would feel the distance. They would feel the lack of care, wouldn't they? And in the same way, we have this opportunity to draw near to God. He's put the ball in our court and said, if you want a relationship with me, it's free. And come. Come all. Right now. It's available to everyone. A free gift. Come. And we, in our salvation, consistently can keep doing that. And waiting to get love from others before you're willing to give it isn't love. And God wants to see your heart. He wants your relationship. Sometimes we're waiting. God just... Just do this thing. Just, God, we want to see your love. And he's already done it. He loved us first. Now the ball's in our court. Are you urgently seeking a relationship with God? I'll invite the band up for the last couple of questions. Am I willing to be unashamed to be with God? Am I willing to be unashamed to be with God? Have you ever been around those couples that are unashamed to show public displays of affection? So awkward. Like, please, come on. Get a room if you're married. And, uh, but it's so awkward every time they're like physically like all over each other. You're like, please just stop. Like nobody needs to see that. But then you have the other side of the spectrum where there's those couples who've been married for all those years and they don't even like hold hands. They don't even hug. And you're like, do you guys even like each other? Do you have any chemistry whatsoever? Like, and it, as funny as that is, I actually think that the people who show public displays of affection are who we need to learn from in this case. They're unashamed to show the love that they have, infatuation that they have for this. See, Zacchaeus was absolutely unashamed to do whatever it took to be in relationship with God. He was willing to be unashamed to be with God. Even King David, 
When the Ark of the Covenant came into the city and he started to dance and he begins to rip off his clothes, he's basically in his underwear dancing around. His wife, Michael, says, she goes, you made a fool of yourself. The king made a fool of himself today. And David's response is so beautiful. He said, I will be even more undignified than this. Are you willing to be unashamed to be with God? Are you willing to be unashamed? We're called to be a light in a dark place. We gotta make it obvious that we're in a relationship with God. Brianna and I wear these rings everywhere we go. And it shows everyone around us. I don't even care. I want everyone to know that I'm married to that person and I'm taken. We gotta be unashamed. Last question. Am I eagerly surrendered to the point of laying it all down for God? Am I eagerly surrendered to the point of laying it all down for God? If we continue in the scripture, verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. See, Jesus, the son of God, said to Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. Jesus says this to the chief of all sinners in everyone's eyes. Everybody goes, this guy is a sinner, a well-known sinner, and has lined his pockets with all of our stuff. He's a thief. He's a liar. And Jesus says, I want a relationship with you, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, at this point, I want you to see this, was still a sinner. He wasn't saved at this point. Later in the verses, he says it, salvation has come to you in your house today. So before he ever entered in to salvation, God offered relationship with him. He said, I want to be with you. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give you half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back the amount four times. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus now turns his life around out of love and belonging and knowing God. He shows love to all around him. It's not out of have to. It's not out of obligation. Jesus would have had every right in this moment to say, hey, before you can get saved, before you can like enter into relationship with me, I need you to go right your wrongs. I need you to go fix all the relationships you've broken, everybody you've stolen from, and I need you to give away all of your possessions. No, Jesus says, salvation has come to you. And Zacchaeus goes out of a willing heart I'm going to give it half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to give four times the amount back to them. See, this is the lie that the enemy wants us to be in our relationship, that, that we have to get everything right before we enter into salvation, that we have to check all the boxes, that everything has to be in aligned in our lives. And can I tell you, no, instead, Zacchaeus willingly gives his possessions to the poor and makes right all the wrong people he's wrong. And he shows the love of Jesus in abundance because of his relationship. He says, here and now, here and now, I really believe that one second with Jesus could change everything in our lives. Here and now, he urgently, immediately changed his life. Are you eagerly surrendered to the point of laying it all down?
There's a drastic difference in our life when it's a want to and a have to. This relationship with God is not out of obligation. It's out of a choice to desire him. I want you. I want you, Lord. And we have the free will to be able to do so. Last two verses. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I love that. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What did Zacchaeus do? It says he wanted. He was seeking. What was something that was lost in him? This is the power that God has. This is what Jesus releases us in. He's taken broken vessels and makes them whole. He takes people who are the least likely and he uses them to leave a legacy of love. I don't know where you are in the midst of everything that I've said today. I don't know if today is a day where you're like, this is my first time hearing the gospel message and I wanna, I wanna do what Zacchaeus did because I can see the fruit and I know that God has something significant. I don't know if you've been walking away from God and today you have an opportunity to get your relationship right. I don't know if you've been in relationship with God. You said yes to Jesus, but maybe it's been an obligation and today you hear me talk about the urgency and the desire that Zacchaeus had and you go, I want that kind of desire. I'm gonna make the choice to live in that. Can I tell you that we are all a work in progress? Every single one of us, the Bible is just filled with characters who are a work in progress. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know all the answers. It's about seeking God and desiring a relationship with Him and going on the journey with Him because eternity isn't a ticket to heaven. It starts right here and right now. And God uses the most unlikely people, each and every one of us, to have the greatest impact. I love, even in the Bible, Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph's family was dysfunctional. Moses stuttered. Gibeon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Naomi was a widow. David had an affair and conspired to murder. Job went bankrupt. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Peter denied Christ. The 12 disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha was a worrier. Mary Magdalene was a well-known prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Timothy had stomach issues. And Zacchaeus was short and a well-known sinner. Don't tell me you're too far away from God. Don't tell me God hasn't called you into relationship. Don't tell me that you've done too much in your life. Every single person in this book was in purpose, yet God used them for his glory and he made an impact with each and every one of their lives. Would you stand to your feet and can we give God glory that he's chosen us and he's given us the ability to be used by him. Come on. So I don't know where you are in the midst of this today. God uses imperfect people. And he desires a relationship. That's all he's desiring. It starts right there. And as you enter in relationship, it'll change everything. Zacchaeus left a legacy. Everyone would have remembered Zacchaeus' name. Think about it. The guy who was the chief sinner now became the most generous person in Jericho. 
think about it. Zacchaeus gave half of his possessions to the poor. He was a wealthy man is what the Bible said. So think about it. Poverty now changed in their community. Homeless now was turned over in their community because of a desire for a relationship. The people he had cheated, the people he had wronged, he paid it back four times the amount. So now their life was set up in a way where they could leave a legacy to their children's children. Can I tell you that God will use you? All we need to do is desire a relationship with him. Are you with me, church? He just wants a relationship with you. This isn't obligation. This isn't about what we can get. This isn't about what he can get. Zacchaeus wanted. He desired. Come on, can we just raise our hands all across this room as an act of surrender? I know sometimes these moments can be interesting and weird, like why am I raising my hand? It's just a simple act of surrender. God, you see every hand. You know every heart. You know where every single person is. And in the moments of being unashamed in a group of believers right here and now, I pray it would be crystal clear that we want you. We desire you. This isn't out of obligation. This isn't out of a have to. We just want you, God. We have desperation inside of us like we're seeking after something that's been lost. Help us, God. For the rest of our lives into eternity to desire a relationship with you you can lower your hands if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes and bowing your heads just a moment of privacy for some people in this room christians can be praying right now and if you heard me talk about this today and you heard me talk about the chief of sinners that one moment with Jesus, his life was forever changed and he left a legacy of love. And in that moment, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, he entered in to eternity with Jesus in relationship with God. Maybe you came in here today, you're lost. You've lived a life of sin. You've not ever lived for God and you go, today is my day that I want to change everything and give it all and I want to live for God. I want a relationship with God. Or maybe you're somebody who came in today and you've been kind of wandering. You've been in a season of just walking away from God saying, I, I don't want what you have for me. I, it was too much obligation and I'm just going to kind of do my own thing now. But you hear me talking today and you say, no, today I want to realign my life and I want a relationship with God. If you're in those two categories, you're searching for God, you want salvation, I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I just ask you to raise your hand. And this is simply just to acknowledge that you want to take the first step in a relationship with Jesus. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son for you so that you could know true life right here, right now. Why Jesus came and died on the cross so that you could come to the Father. Two, like I said earlier, you don't have to wait any longer. Today is the day of salvation. Come on. Just like Zacchaeus in his urgency he said, Here and now, I'm calling to everybody in this room if you want to give your life to Jesus 
or you want to get back on track with your relationship with him. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand and acknowledge that in this room? Come on, go ahead and raise your hand. I see your hand. Hallelujah. I see your hand. I see your hand. Hallelujah. Yes, come on. Let's give a second longer. Anybody that wants to give their life to Jesus or wants to realign their life with him. Come on, anybody in this room. Come on, I see your hands. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Can we begin to celebrate all the people that just gave their life to Jesus and made a massive step in this life with him? Welcome to the family. So glad you made the decision to have the courage enough to raise your hand. Jesus just wants a relationship with you, and this is the first step in this beautiful journey of all that God is going to do in and through you, and welcome to eternity in Jesus. Can we celebrate one more time? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's why we do what we do, leading people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's never forget it. So right now, we're going to take one more second of worship. Why? Because I believe that some of us in this room need to realign our lives with desire for God and remember what he's done. So would you just lift up those hands one last time as an act of surrender. And Lord, we love you. We desire you. We are desperately searching for you like Zacchaeus would have. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough to have a relationship with us. Come on, let's worship God in spirit and in truth. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.